0: We'd love to connect with you in the back at the connect table and uh, grab one of our new Renaissance mugs. They're really nice and um, they're new and you're new, so help yourself. Um, As we begin, I want to say today it is my deep desire that the gospel would be loudly proclaimed, our hearts would genuinely praise our Lord, and that we would desperately see our need for a Savior and find our lives transformed by Jesus Christ. And I hope you will join me in that today. Um, So they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You guys have heard that before? I'm sure that's something that's very familiar phrase for us. What does it mean, though? It typically means that though uh, they're different people, a child often closely resembles their parents, whether that's by how they look or by how they behave, right? Um, and so this week I was having a conversation with uh, my wife, Melissa, about this, and we've been noticing that our daughter, Skylar, resembles me in some ways, and she resembles Melissa in some ways. I saw you look at me like, no. Uh, she does, trust me. Um, so so definitely with like her mom's looks, right? And that's a great thing, right? I'm glad she doesn't look like me. Um, but in a lot of other ways, we've been noticing other ways that she is more like me. So she... Uh, she is sometimes, uh, she, she resembles me in that we're both funny. She made that very clear to us this week. She said, Skylar and dad are the funny ones and mom is the serious one. Uh, she said that, not me. Um, also she's a procrastinator like me, so when she's asked to do something, she will oftenly, often start doing something else to avoid what she was just asked to do. And according to Melissa, I'm like that too. Um, we'll talk about that later though. And, I'll probably just push it off for a while. Um, So she she behaves a certain way that is like one of us, right? Whether that is learned or whether that's natural, she has a tendency to act a certain way. She's prone to certain behaviors. And so I mention that today because that's a little bit what we're talking about. Um, Today we are talking about how, how we are naturally predisposed to what the Bible describes as works of the flesh. In other words, things that are self-serving, that are contrary to the will of God, and because of our our bent towards these things, we do not deserve to enter into God's kingdom. And that's a bit of a harsh reality to to start off with, but um, there is good news within that. Today, we're also going to be talking about how Jesus changes our desires from works of the flesh so that we can walk by his spirit and keep in step with the things of God. So uh, today we're continuing in our series in the book of Galatians. We've titled this series, Called to Freedom. And in this series, we're exploring that as Christians, God calls us away from a works-based religion and into a faith-based religion. So we are free from trying to earn our salvation by being good enough or by adhering to the law. And instead, we are accepted by God through faith in Jesus. Thus, we are called to freedom. Our main point for today is this. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Uh, This is word for word from the first verse in our passage today. And it really sums up the whole of what we're talking about today. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so within that, we're going to look at our natural propensity towards works of the flesh um, the repercussions that we deserve as a result of our actions, but also the the grace that we receive from Jesus in that through faith in him, our desires change and we are transformed to be more like him. So let's read our text for today. We'll get into our message. Um, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be for today. Um, it'll also be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles. Actually, I don't see them, but there's Bibles in the bin back there. Oh, on the table? Great. Fantastic. Uh, As they should be. Um, There are Bibles on the table in the back there, and you can have one of those if you do not own one. Um, So let's start. uh, We're going to begin in verse 16, uh, Galatians chapter 5. This is what it says. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray again, and we'll, we'll get into our text for today. Um, God, we ask that you would fill us with your Spirit, and that we would, the, the overflow of that would just be um, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, all of these things. God, would that overflow out of us as a result of putting faith in you, Jesus God, would you transform us today to be more like you? And would we leave here just loving you more? Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, in this section of our text today, Paul, he's the author of Galatians, Paul is contrasting the works of the flesh with walking by the Spirit. So, to begin, what we're focusing on today is the way we once lived versus the way God calls us to live. Or maybe more accurately, the way we once lived versus the way God empowers us to live. Uh, because what we see from our text today is less of an imperative to you must live this way or you have, to, you have to do these things, but it is more of a promise of how we will live when we put our faith in Jesus. So Paul's not saying, hey, you used to do these things and now just do these things instead, Right? No, he's saying when you put your faith in Jesus, your desires will change to love the things that God loves. So he shows us from the beginning that these are two dueling ideas, the the works of the flesh and walking by the Spirit. Let's see what he says in, in verse 16. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. So living by the flesh or pursuing our own natural desires is not compatible with living by the spirit. Um, There's a a tendency these days by some individuals and, and some denominations to say that pursuing whatever we want is fine, because God just wants us to be happy, right? God is, he's not judgmental. He doesn't really care what we do, right? He's forgiven us and therefore we can live however we want. Uh, But I do want to be clear that this idea is found nowhere in scripture, rather. It is contrary to the life that God has called us to through Jesus. Uh, Paul writes this in Romans. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, by no means... How can we who die to sin still live in it? So being forgiven doesn't give us license to sin and to pursue the selfish desires of our heart. No, Paul makes it very clear that works of the flesh and walking by the Spirit are not compatible with one another. One thing that we see is that works of the flesh are what we are naturally Uh, what we naturally want to do. We are naturally prone to these works of the flesh. And throughout history, there have been debates on the the natural state of humans. Are we naturally good or are we naturally bad? Are we a blank slate? Uh, The Christian position is that human beings are made in the image of God and therefore all have worth. However, we have a natural tendency towards sin, which mars that image. So ever ever since sin entered the world, we inherit a sinful nature where it is not our natural desire to love the things that God loves. And Paul affirms this in verse 17. He says, "The, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. He says, for these are opposed to each other. He says, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So our natural desire is not to do the things that God wants us to do, but the opposite We are bent to want to pursue the flesh, what feels good to us, our own ways, not God's ways. Um, I read a quote this week from St. Augustine, and he says this. He says, Lord, deliver me from that evil man, myself. Um, It's the same thing that Paul wrestles with in the book of Romans. He writes this. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. He says, now if I do what I want, what I do not want, this is a tongue twister for real. If I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. He says, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. And so our natural desire is not to pursue God's will, but what looks good around us. And this is why we are enticed by drama or pornography or romance novels or overeating unhealthy food. These things and other things, they look good to us and so we pursue them. Anyone with, uh, with children can tell you that their kids are naturally prone to sin. Uh, I know for myself, like my parents never taught me to lie or to steal at all. In fact, they taught me the opposite. They said, don't do this. And they modeled that well in the house, right? But I remember as a young kid, I got in trouble. Um, and on one occasion, I had to, to miss my sister's birthday party because um, my mom had just like made a bunch of cookies for the party. And I went and I stole one of those cookies when I was told, hey, don't eat these cookies, okay? And uh, when I was confronted on it, I lied and I said, I didn't do that, that was not me. And what I did was I blamed it on my brother who was a baby at the time, and he was having a nap in his crib, right? And so my parents were like, I'm pretty sure that wasn't him. And, yeah, I I promise that is not a learned behavior. My parents didn't go around, like, stealing stuff from us or, like, saying, hey, you should go steal this and lie about it. Like, that's not what they did at all. This was a natural inclination towards sin, even as a child. And so what we see is, if we're honest with ourselves, is that all of us are are guilty of this. It may go without saying, but if our natural inclination is towards works of the flesh— then we are all guilty of sin against God. And Paul, Paul lays out here this, this list of these works. He says in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And so this is by no means uh, like a comprehensive list of like every sin that there is. I'm sure there's plenty of other things that we could add to this list. Uh, but, but even at a quick glance, I'm sure that uh, we can all find things that we're guilty of, right? You may never have been involved with sorcery, but you probably have been at enmity with another person in your life. You may not struggle with anger, but maybe you've been jealous of another person in your life. The, the point here is that we've all been guilty of these, and these works are contrary to the fruit of the Spirit and the purposes of, uh, for God in our lives. And we're not going to go into, into too much detail into all of these. Um, there's, there's a lot here, but I'm certain that all of us could look at this list and identify at least one of these or more and say, yeah, I'm guilty of that one. That's me. I know I can certainly say that. Uh, A couple things to note about this list here. Uh, When we talk about works of the flesh, often what we think of are things that give us pleasure, right? Giving into sexual temptation, pursuing lust, uh, things like these. And so while these are some of the things that are on the list that Paul mentions here, the majority of the things that are on the list, um, they are things that get played out in relationship with one another. So, works of the flesh, oh my, works of the flesh that are mentioned here are things like enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, and so on. Um, These are all things that affect our relationship with others by how we treat them. They're not so much about gratification necessarily, but things that are self serving rather than serving the good of others. And I think that's a helpful definition as we discuss works of the flesh. It's not that they're always about pleasure. Um, It's not, uh, yeah, it's not always about pleasure here, but it's rather that these are things that we do that are self-serving, right? So when we're absorbed with ourself, we will be angry with others. We'll be jealous. We'll pursue uh, sinful pleasure. We'll turn to things other than God to help us. And, And because of, because In that situation, what's most important to us is self. And so this list that we see is evidence that we are living for ourselves. And what we see is that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is what Paul says in verse 21. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And again, this is a harsh reality, but it bears mentioning. Our sin deserves the wrath of God. It is not cute. It is not just this small little thing, right? The God of the Bible doesn't just sweep our sin under a rug and pretend that it didn't happen, right? God deals with sin, and in our sin, there are two options, right? Either our sin has been taken on by Jesus on the cross, crucified with him and put to death, or... If we will refuse that option, if we refuse his solution to our sin, then he will hand us over to our ways, our way of working off our sin. And if we want to work off our sin, God will say, okay, but not in my kingdom, right? In my kingdom, there is forgiveness because the debt is already paid, right? It's been paid by Jesus. If you want to come that way, then come on in. But to reject Jesus' sacrifice for our sins on the cross is to reject his offer of new life and entrance into his kingdom. And so, if our natural desire is for these things, the, the works of the flesh, if we are all guilty of these, and if the righteous judgment for them is eternal separation from God, then what ought we do? How do we go from works of the flesh to walking by the Spirit? If the, the works of the flesh are to pursue what gratifies us, our, our natural desires, then, then what is walking by the Spirit? It, it, if it is the, the opposite of flesh, then it must be to deprive ourselves of all pleasure, right? Should we then just abstain from every sort of pleasure in order to walk by the Spirit? Shouldn't that be what it means to be more spiritual? Actually, no. What, what Paul describes as walking by the Spirit is not about destroying all forms of pleasure, It is about God transforming us to find pleasure in what he loves. It's about exchanging selfish desires for selfless desires. It's about leaving our sinful nature that leads to death and pursuing the life-giving creator and becoming more like him. And he says this, Paul says this in, in verse 25. He says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, walking by the Spirit happens the same way we've been given life, through faith in Jesus. Um, The Bible describes our spiritual condition before knowing Jesus as dead. He says, Without God, we are spiritually dead. I'll read this from Ephesians. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, He says this though, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He says, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the measurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus He says, for for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So faith in Jesus is what makes us spiritually alive. And faith in Jesus is how we walk by the Spirit. And in our day-to-day lives, if we continue to trust in Jesus, if we surrender ourselves to him daily, then we start to look more and more like him. Our desires become his desires. Our behaviors look like his behaviors, and this is what it is to walk by the Spirit. And you may be here, uh, and you may identify as a Christian, and you may still struggle with works of the flesh. Uh, Just because we have changed desires doesn't always mean that we break bad habits right away, or that sin stops feeling good, right? Sex out of the context uh, that God intended still might feel good. Getting drunk might still feel good. Winning an argument might still feel good. But when God changes our hearts, it's not just about doing what feels good. It's not about self anymore. We can recognize that something might feel good, but a changed heart says, I'd rather do things God's way. And this makes absolutely no sense unless we have God's Spirit living in us and empowering us to, to do these new desires. And so, if that's you here today, um, if you feel enslaved by works of the flesh to do things your way, let me say uh, a few things here. Uh, number one, take it seriously, right? Take it seriously because God does. Paul's warning is that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, the more we practice works of the flesh, the more we give power to them. In the book of Philippians, we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So do not take your sin lightly because I promise you that God doesn't. Examine your heart for areas of sin and question. Is the desire of my heart to do works of the flesh or is it to walk by the Spirit? So number one, take it seriously. With that being said, the second thing I would say to you is this, leave it at the cross. right? God has paid for that already. Don't run back to works of the flesh. Paul says in verse 24, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So this has already been done for us. This is not Paul saying, hey, crucify your own flesh. He's saying, if you've put your faith in Jesus, it's already been done. Right? Your, your natural desires have, have been nailed to the cross with Jesus, and you have been given new ones. So don't run back to the old ways. Right? Continue to bring your works of the flesh to Jesus. Trust in him, and he will give you new desires, ones to flee from the natural self and to be transformed to be more like God. Right? Because that's, that, that's what we're really talking about here. This is what This really is. These new desires that God gives us are desires to be truly like him. And I want to to spend some time here looking at verses 22 to 23. What we see here is uh, what Paul calls the fruit of the spirit. This is what he says. He says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And what we see here is that this very much describes God himself, right? In fact, this sounds remarkably similar to how God describes himself to Moses in the Old Testament. This is from from Exodus 34. He says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, The fruit of the Spirit is evidence that we are being transformed to be like God. It is the proof that we belong to God because of changed desires. It is God transforming us to be more like Him. If we look a little closer, um, we see the the language of fruit here is not a coincidence, right? This should remind us of another biblical reference to fruit. Uh, The very beginning of the Bible right? Genesis 3, the, the serpent approaches Eve in the garden, and he offers her the fruit which God had said don't eat of. And he, he says, uh, he, as, as he offers her the fruit, he, sa- he tells her this. He says, you will not surely die. He says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And he says, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The lie that we believed is that by seizing autonomy, for ourselves and ignoring God's command that we would be more like God. And so the fruit of the Spirit is God saying, no, the way to be more like God is to trust in Jesus. And, and when you do, this is what it will look like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Not selfish pursuits, but selfless ones. And we will look more like God as we put our faith in Jesus. As we we wrap up, let me ask us this. Which of these characterizes our lives? Are we known more for works of the flesh or by fruit of the Spirit? And how do we produce fruit of the Spirit? It is by faith in Jesus. By trusting the good news that though we deserve death... Jesus came to make us alive. We do not deserve to enter into God's kingdom because of our sin, and yet the gospel says you get to enter not because of your righteousness, because of the righteousness of Jesus. It's not that you have been perfect. Um, In fact, quite the opposite. Our lives are filled with works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, uh, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, uh, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. These are our natural inclinations, and yet Jesus came to free us from this. Colossians says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And God did this by nailing our sin to the cross with Jesus. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Our desires of the flesh have been crucified on the cross, put to death, and having God's spirit in us, we now have his desires, and we are being transformed to be like God. Our lives now can be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control the gospel transforms us to be like Jesus. And so walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's pray. God, we ask you today to uh, work in us, work in our hearts. God, we are all guilty of these. There's no one who in this room who is is better than any other one here because we are all um, outright guilty of, of works of the flesh. <clears throat> and, and, and works of the flesh are completely against you and your will. And so we ask that you um, would, would transform our lives to be more like you. Lead us to Jesus God. Would we set down our works of the flesh at your feet at the cross? Um, would Um, you accept that because we have nothing on our own um, that we can offer. We have um, no way of earning our salvation. Our works are tainted and God, we uh, do not deserve to inherit the kingdom of God. And yet God, we thank you so much that through faith in Jesus that we have new life and we are able to be accepted, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus. We praise you for that today. And we ask that you would transform us to become more like you. God, would you um, show us areas of sin in our lives? And would we, again, just turn from that, turn to you? And would uh, you just work um, mightily in our lives? Thank you for your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.